This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Litterine. If you're out there on Twitter, please give John a follow at J O N L I T T E R I N E. You can follow me at JakeSki52. Today, John and I are going to be making our picks for the biggest fights at UFC 237 this weekend. Rosnama Yunus and Jessica Andrade will be battling for the ladies' strawweight title in this uh, card. Uh, excellent set of fights coming up on this. But uh, John, I want to start us off with a couple of um, with some of the latest news in MMA, and you know, there, we could talk about Cowboy and Ally Quinta last weekend. That was a great fight. But I think we settled on the biggest story we want to discuss right now is. Uh, DC and Stipe getting booked for a rematch August 17th. I believe Yoel Romero and Paulo Costa got booked on that card. That was announced last night, early this morning, kind of. So um, good card coming up in Anaheim. DC, DC also said he had some kind of secret back surgery uh, back in December after the Derek Lewis fight. Uh, good call by the UFC. Good possible swan, swan song for DC here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a good it's a good call if for no other reason than for a while, it looked like DC would be defending his heavyweight title against Brock Lesnar, and you know that would be the fight for money-making purposes, as you know, because of Brock's big crossover appeal. But Lesnar hasn't fought in so long, and you know he didn't look all that great the last time he did fight. And uh, you know, I have a really difficult time believing that after so much time away, he he even with his massive size advantage, mm-hmm. that he would have been able to come in and and really give Cormier a competitive fight. So at least now, you know, it might not have this the mainstream appeal that the Lesnar fight would, but I certainly think as far as 
you know quality and mixed mar- um, quality mixed martial arts fight, I definitely think a rematch with Stipe is far more appealing than any Lesnar fight would have been. Yeah, no doubt about that. Looking at the odds, uh, Cormier would have been a minus three eighty favorite against Lesnar, and he's currently listed as a minus one sixty five favorite against Stipe. And that's interesting because their first fight, he was a slight underdog. And then, of course, DC caught him with a nice uppercut in the first round, and that kind of put his lights out. Stipe had been on a three-title defense streak, which was the longest in heavyweight history. Uh, so I think it's only it's only fair that he gets this rematch. Yeah, he, I, I think he was definitely the best option. And those odds surprised me a little. You know, I, I thought probably would have been like close to a pick him, but DC's been on such a roll in both divisions lately. I mean, the only guy who's really been able to handle him has been John Jones. So mm-hmm. it could definitely be one of those cases where, you know, DC is going to continue to be favored in all of his fights unless he somehow fights Jones again. Yeah, which I, I don't. I mean, as much as I love watching Bones fights, I don't really have the need to see that again. I just don't see how the outcome's any differently, and it would just be a bad end kind of to DC's career. I mean, maybe he pulls off the miracle and finally gets over the hump. That'd be a great story for all his haters over the years. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't quite see that happening. And maybe they give him Nganu if Nganu can beat Dos Santos in July. Uh, a couple interesting options on the board here, but I, I'm looking at the rest of these heavy rank, heavyweight rankings right now. Nganu would be interesting. Dos Santos, Blades, Derek Lewis, he already beat. Volkov, Overeem, Cain Velasquez, he wouldn't fight. Teammates, Olenek. I mean, DC's the favorite over, over all of those guys. Yeah, th- there's not a lot there. You know, for a while, it was, um, you know, the depth in division was bad. And, you know, honestly, the depth in division is still pretty bad. It- it's top-heavy, and there are definitely, you know, threats at the top, whether it's Stipe or Nganu, like you mentioned, or, you know, even an aging guy like Dos Santos. But once you get past, you know, like you already said, you saw what DC did to Derek Lewis. And if Derek, whatever Derek, what's Derek Lewis ranked now, whatever he is, fifth or fourth, whatever the heck it is. Um, and you saw, how, yeah, you saw how much of, uh, of a cakewalk on the park that was for DC. So, um, you know, I definitely think he'd have a harder time with someone like Dos Santos than he would against Lewis, but um, DC would definitely be favored over all those guys. It's still a really, really top-heavy division. Yeah, I mean, once once Bones uh, gets through Santos and then presumably beats Johnny Walker, or I don't know, I'm just kind of spitballing here, then maybe he goes up to the heavyweight division and cleans that one out too while cementing his status at the, as the GOAT. But anyway, we're going to get we're getting too far off track here. Let's uh, get you UFC 237. That's our main point for today. Uh, we're going to hopefully help you guys win a little bit of money on DraftKings before we get started. Definitely go to rotowire.com slash free to check out all of the features. Actually, all our MMA stuff is free on the website here, but uh, tons of other great DFS and season-long content. NFL projections are out, and uh, just we're getting better and better every day with more content, more value for your subscription. Anyway, main event here. We'll start from the top. We'll start off hot, John. Uh, women's strawweight title. Rose Namajunas is the current champion. She is a slight underdog against Jessica Andraj. Uh, this will be for the flyweight title. Andraj is a more expensive fighter on DraftKings. Uh, 8,300. Uh, Namajunas is 7,900. Namajunas is barely plus money. I could see this one kind of going back and forth to a pick em. Uh This is one thing that stood out to me is the odds to finish on this one were minus 145. I mean, you don't see that a ton in the strawweight division. You get 115 pounders, can't pack a ton of power. But Andraj and Nami Yunus have both shown in their recent fights that they can pack a ton of power. How do you see this one playing out, John? Uh, this is interesting. You know, this is a pretty good fight. Uh, uh, as I wrote in our pre- my preview article, I don't think it's going to do a ton for the casual MMA fan. Um, you know, I don't think it's not going to certainly be... 
you know, I still call it pay-per-view buys, you know, ESPN buy, whatever you want yeah, to call it well, these well, days. Mix the, uh, the name recognition of these two with the fact that you have to buy it on the digital platform now. And Holloway Poirier was an awesome card, and that didn't even do that well from a pay-per-view standpoint. ESPN did make it easier that you can buy directly from the app instead of having to go online now. But the difficulty in the name recognition, yeah, I do agree with you, John, that this one might struggle to do a lot of pay-per-view buys. Yeah, I think it will. And, you know, this is, you know, it's not unheard of for a champion to enter a, a title defense as an, an underdog, but it, it doesn't happen very often. Um, it's happening here. And I think I went back and forth, you know, many, many times try, trying to make a pick for this fight. And um, I ended up going with Nami Yunus, but both women really have, you know, multiple things going for them. Um, if you look at Rose, when she came up, um, you know, she first started in the UFC, she was viewed as strictly a match specialist who really struggled um, with, you know, the striking aspect of the game. And, um, you know, under the tutelage and working every day with her fiance, Pat Barry, who was a very good striker back in his day. Um, when he competed, Rose's striking has gone from a weakness to not only average, but it's a strength. Um, Rose beat Yuaning and Jacek twice, back-to-back, and in both of those fights, she whipped her on the feet. And in the second fight especially, uh, I, was, I was, was at that fight live, um, you know, we talked about it and we said, you know, if Rose was smart, even though she was able to beat her up on the feet the first time, she would have just tried to get her, you know, down to the ground in the second fight simply because that's her biggest strength. But it's almost as if Nami Yunus wanted to make a point that she could beat her on the feet again. And that's exactly what she did. Um, if her striking hadn't come such a long way, I think she definitely would have had a hard time making multiple title defenses. But if these advancement advancements in her striking game are real... You know, I see no reason, you know, she can't hold the belt for a while now. Um, this is going to be one of her, one of certainly her biggest tests. Um, Andrade has the advantage of fighting at home in Brazil. So um, she's going to have the whole crowd behind her. Now, I think that makes less of a difference with Rose than it does against other champions, simply because if you ever watch Nao Yunus fight, she's in such a zone that I don't think the crowd is going to get to her at all. She almost looks like a serial killer when she's walking to, you know, to the cage. She just, she's so focused on what she's doing. Um, but, you know, Andrade's biggest asset, and it always has been, is just her brute strength. She's bigger and stronger um, than any, pretty much any woman in the division. And, you know, it's fascinating because... When Andrade began her UFC career and she started at bantamweight, she was essentially an afterthought. You know, she was, she had a couple wins. She had a few losses. You know, she was nothing special. She was just a run-of-the-mill fighter at, at 135 pounds. And now, um, you know, she's moved down to 115 and she's making weight without issue. And, um, you know, the size and the strength plays so much better at the lower weight class. And it hasn't seemed to affect her at all now. You know, I certainly think Rose would have is going to have a cardio advantage. You know, she just has less muscle mass to carry around than Andrade does. Um, and I could certainly see Andrade grinding out a win, you know, as far as getting Rose to the mat and just making it a really, you know, simply put a boring and ugly fight. And look, you're trying to win a belt, you know, at that point, you don't really care how you do. You just got to win. And I definitely think that's Andrade's, you know, Beth past Beth past excuse me, best path to victory um, is just to try and grind, uh, grind Rose down. But Nami Yunus is a really, really good submission artist, submission specialist. She's good off her back. 
Um, and if Andrade has her down, you know, she might not be able to get back to her feet, but she certainly has the offensive submission game to do damage from the bottom. Now, um, the biggest concern for Rose is her takedown defense over the course of her UFC career is not very good. It's 45%, which is way below average. You know, we usually consider average or, you know, respectable to be somewhere around, you know, like 70, 75, somewhere in there. Um, so if Andrade keeps coming at her and Rose has problems staying off of her back, she's going to probably going to be in trouble. But I have, you know, this is one you could go either way. Um, the odds are, you know, pretty, you know, roughly about the same. This is essentially a pick them for me. If I picked them 10 times, you know, pick the fight 10 times, I might go five times each way. Um, I went Nami Yunus in this one just, you know, for no other reason than, you know, you get a slight break on the salary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this is just, you know, essentially just to pick them. Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't blame you for going with the salary break. Uh, Andraj opened around minus 120. She's around minus 130, so not a ton of line movement there. Um, I just, for me, I think you might be able to gain some ground in our staff picks this week because uh, a lot of the guys that are that are coming in early, I'm going to post that tomorrow morning. They're picking Andraj on this one. And I debated this one for a while as well, but I think I'm going to go Andraj as well. Uh, the raw power. Now, the striking has definitely gotten a lot better for Nama Yunus. Not going to lie. I mean, otherwise beating uh, Jacek would have been absolutely impossible. But just the way that uh, Andraj comes out throwing bombs, I mean, like, okay, Karolina Kovalkiewicz may not be a world beater, but she came out there just chucking bombs, and then when one of them landed, Karolina was out, out. So I do think that this will be a very, very difficult test for the champion, and I'm going to pick against her, but again, this is one that you can go back and forth and, and, and back and forth on this one, and maybe Nami Yunus can throw a sneaky submission if it gets that far. I do I do see where you're coming from here, uh, but I'm going to go with Andraj. Now, if Nami Yunus does win, I agree that this will be this Andraj is her biggest roadblock essentially to to defending the belt for a long, long time, except except for Tatiana Suarez. All right. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna get fully on board that hype train. Tatiana Suarez is fighting Nina Ansaroff next month. If uh Rose wins, Tatiana wins. I'm just gonna call it now uh that, that Suarez will be the women's one hundred fifteen pound champion before the end of twenty eighteen. And we could, we could probably go back Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree on that. I mean uh, Suarez is essentially just you know, she's a bit really she might not have the punching power of Andrade, but as far as you know, the aggressiveness, she's really just a better version. Yeah, I mean she knocked it's, out Carla you know, similar Esparza game plan last year and uh, yeah, I mean Suarez is pretty tough, I would think. So she is. I mean, uh, Suarez is, has been called, you know, the female Habib Nurmagomedov simply because when she gets, you know, her hands on you, you're not going anywhere, and you know that's obviously high praise. Yeah, so that'll be something to watch out for. But not to get too far ahead of ourselves, I'm going to pick Andrade, and I've actually used her. I've made my, I guess you'll call it my A lineup. You know, I always, I we we'll both advocate making multiple lineups. That's what the sport of MMA is. I mean, if you want to succeed at it, you have to think about it not so much. And here's my one lineup. You have to think about it as you know exposure to different people. But you know, a lot of people will do with uh, other sports. They'll have their A, B, C lineups or whatever. Uh, my my A lineup actually does have Androgen because she fit in nicely. I only had a hundred in salary on the table. I'll talk about some of the other people in that lineup because it is pretty heavy on the um, on the main card. Now, one thing I do like about this fight from a DraftKings perspective, at least, is. Um, Rose, as far as volume, not so bad. 3.72 significant strikes landed per minute. Uh, you know, 
okay, but not great. Andrade, on the other hand, 6.58 significant strikes landed per minute. Uh, she stays busy, and it's almost amazing to me how, with such a tough weight cut, her cardio can keep, keep up. And I guess it hasn't necessarily mattered for Andrade lately. I mean, she did... She did go all five rounds in her loss to Ioana and Jacek, so you know that the maybe the cardio and the volume isn't going to be that big of an issue. But I think she has a much higher fantasy ceiling on DraftKings just because of the volume striking. And at 8,300, I mean, maybe you get the first round stoppage. We know that's a possibility. Maybe they go five rounds, and even if she loses, you know, you get uh, you can get 60 DraftKings points on there. So I could maybe see a main event stack in this one, or at least in cash games. Probably want to avoid that in GPPs. But uh, the volume striking of Andrade makes her an even more attractive play when we're talking just in DraftKings terms for me. Yeah, it's it's a close fight. And actually, while this card might not have the depth and the big names of, you know, some of the other cards, um, it does have a lot of fights on it where the odds are extremely close, which, you know, lead tends to lead to close salaries and thus more options for your lineup. So, um, while it might not be huge names, once you get past, you know, the first several fights, um, you know, it does, it does give you room to operate from a DKS perspective. Okay, absolutely. So we're going to go opposite ways in this fight, but again, I think both of us can agree that this is one that is very, very close. You probably want to get a get a piece of it on DraftKings, uh, you know, regardless of what type of contest you're playing. Just because of the five rounds, it's the only five round bout on the card that makes sense to uh, kind of raise the ceiling there. Um, but we're going to go both ways, and I think you're going to see. A slight edge towards Andrade, sneak preview for staff picks tomorrow, but uh, we're going to see picks on both sides here. But let's move on to the co-main event, John. Uh, Jared Cannonier is taking on Anderson Silva. I mean, this card's in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, if you're a Brazilian fight fan, it sets up really well because we'll get the Jose Aldo fight, which we'll talk about in a sec. But not to get too far ahead of ourselves, Cannonier and Silva. Uh, Silva's 7,500 on DraftKings. Cannonier is 8,700 on DraftKings. Cannonier minus 140. Silva, the comeback is plus 120 odds to finish here are actually plus 130 so the uh vegas as of uh let's see what wednesday uh late afternoon when we're recording this uh vegas thinks it's got a pretty good chance to go the distance here um this is one i think we're going to agree on john but uh why don't you let me know how this one plays out i don't really know how this one's going to play out to be perfectly honest with you um <laughs> i'm taking cannoneer but i'm not you know i'm not really confident about it in the sense that you know, quite honestly, this is uh, so Anderson Silva aside, because you know he's such a star and one of the greatest of all time. Um, this is not a main event fight of a pay per view in 2019. You know, to be quite honest, and um, Anderson did well. Well, I don't know if I, "well" is the correct word. He did better in his recent fight against Israel Adesanya in February than um, a lot of people thought. You know, he he went the distance and, you know, he got some shots in, you know, he certainly ate more than, you know, than than he threw. But um, we got to keep in mind that was Adesanya was an opponent who was more than willing um, to engage Anderson in a kickboxing match. I think Cannonier will be, too, though. You, you, he might be, uh, but the, you know, Adesanya has the same body type as Anderson. Mm -hmm. So I think there were a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And is well, what's I mean, what going to yeah, go ahead. I say the question is what's going to happen when somebody makes an aging Anderson Silva move his feet, you know? Mm -hmm. When Anderson knows he's not going to be able to stand there 
and you know throw fists you know and throw a bunch of kicks at age 44 you know anderson's certainly not going to be going for takedowns himself so i'm a little curious to see what his defense looks like if he is going to end up you know, in a different kind of fight than the Adesanya fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, see, the thing for me is, is that Cannoneer has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight UFC fights, and he averages 0.21 takedowns converted per 15 minutes. And, I mean, Silva's number is better than that, but neither of them are above one, let's say. So um, a less than even chance. Now, maybe maybe it could be advantageous for Cannoneer to realize this, like, okay, it's Anderson Silva. The best chance I have of getting caught is ending up in a kickboxing match. Um and then, and then maybe try to incorporate some takedowns as part of his fight camp. But this just isn't something that we've seen Cannoneer do uh, over the course of his career. So I'm not necessarily sure it goes that way. And I pick Cannoneer as, you know, I guess the Spryer fighter at this point. But he's the underdog in enemy territory. And I think you mentioned or you had a line like this in the preview, though, where if it ends up being a kickboxing match, neither of these guys are super high volume. And so less than four significant strikes landed per minute over their UFC tenures. I mean... Silva was a little bit more higher volume back in the day. So neither are super high volume. If they stand there and kickbox a little bit and trade a handful of shots and the striking numbers aren't off the charts, one, this will be bad for DraftKings. But two, you mentioned that maybe Silva, if it's anything close, he's going to get the nod from the judges. I would th- I would think he certainly would if it was close. Um, this, this just isn't a fight that does a whole lot for me, either from a real-life perspective or from a fantasy perspective. Cannoneer began his UFC career at heavyweight. He fought Sean Jordan at heavyweight. Um, then he spent, you know, the vast majority of his time with the company at light heavyweight, and now he's fighting at middleweight. And, you know, look, the guy looked great in November. He starched David Branch as a big underdog um, and earned a no- the knockout victory um, mm-hmm. in that fight. But, you know, this is a guy who, until, you know, up until not all, not all that long ago, was really just viewed as kind of viewed as roster depth and you know anderson asked to fight on this card knowing he's nearing the end of his career and you know maybe he'll you know have some extra energy and get a slight bump for that or whatever but um i just don't think there's a ton of reliability here especially in relation to your normal co-main event on a pay-per-view there just seems to be a really wide range of outcomes yeah, yeah, I'm with you. The only thing is, though, is while I'm picking Cannoneer straight up, you know, gun to your head, you got to pick one of the guys I think is going to win. I'll take him as the winner, but 7,500 on DraftKings, even if you expect it to be low scoring, we'll do some either ors kind of towards the end of the show, maybe, but uh, 7,500, I've got him in my lineup. He's in my A lineup as an underdog. Maybe I can only expect him to get like 60, 75 points as a ceiling. He might be a lower scoring guy, but again, the odds value plus 120. At 7,500 and the hometown favorite. Although I'm not super confident in him winning, maybe he does something crazy and sets me up to win a GPP. That's what I'm hoping, at least. So that's where I'm looking at that yeah. fight. It could definitely happen. But I, I, you know, I would definitely also say that um, I would think an Anderson win would certainly be mm-hmm. more of the de- decision variety. If you're going to tell me this fight's going to end within the first, you know, three or four yeah, minutes, yeah. you know, that mm-hmm. definitely favors Cannoneer. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at, is he going to score, is a guy like Lil Nog or Priscilla Cachera or, or Trinaldo or Cohea, are any of those guys going to score more than him? Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit towards the end, but just kind of in that price tier, he was my favorite option, even with the limited ceiling here. But John, we got a banger here. This is an excellent fight. My favorite, the one I'm looking most forward to on the entire card. And I think, uh, you know, 
casual fans can get into this one um, or new fans of the UFC even. But if you got Jose Aldo, he's been awesome over the last couple of years. You mentioned in this preview, he's only lost three times recently, twice to Holloway, which is clearly a bad matchup for him. And then once that, when he kind of got starched by Conor McGregor. Um, so otherwise, he's been rolling through his opposition. And you get one of the hottest up-and-comers in the UFC in Alexander Volkanovsky. Aldo is 8,400. Volkanovsky 7,800. Aldo minus 135. Betting favor. Comeback on Volkanovsky is plus 115. Talk about some odds value there. Odds to finish on this one is minus 130. So Vegas thinks somebody's getting the stoppage. I'm pretty conflicted on this one. I have been for the longest time. I'll give you my pick in a second, but let's hear yours first. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this one as far as going back and forth. Um, I hate to prop it up, but when 2019 is over, you know, in six, you know, six and a half months, whatever it is, seven and a half months, I would not be surprised in the least if this ends up being one of the best fights of the year. Mm -hmm. This is just, this is going to be something else. Um, both from a technical standpoint and from an entertainment standpoint, um, you know, Jose Aldo, um, you know, huge star in Brazil, um, you know, for a long time, one of, if not the best pound for pound fighter in the world. And Jose has looked good lately. You know, I really think, you know, you know I obviously a fighter never wants to lose, but, you know, I, I think the con- the loss to Conor McGregor um, was kind of humbling. You know, you know, he was knocked out, you know, in 13 seconds. And after that, you know, I think it took him a little while to get back on track. You know, he had those two losses, back to back losses to Max Holloway. Um, and since then, knocked out Jeremy Stevens and knocked out Ronaldo Moicano. Um, although, at least to me, you know, from my from my vantage point, looks close to the same guy who who was one of the best in the world not all that long. Those ago. guys are no jokes. I mean, Moicano no. and, and Stevens, two of the best 145 pounders yeah. on the entire world. If it, if it weren't for Holloway, yes, absolutely, hundred percent. And I certainly think Aldo has. He'll, he'll turn 33 years old in September, but I certainly think he has plenty of gas left in the tank. And he's another one who's talked about, you know, realizing that, you know, he doesn't have all that much time left. And if he wins this fight, I'm telling you right now, they could fast track him to a title fight because. Mm-hmm. Do you really right. want to see him against Holloway again, though? I don't. But Holloway would have to lose for that to happen. I would think. Yeah, he probably. Yeah, you're right. He probably would. Yeah, he mm-hmm. probably would. Especially because he lost. He was knocked out by Holloway twice in a you know five and a half month span, mm-hmm. you know six month span back in 2017. So you're right. So and that happens a lot. You know, a guy probably deserves a title shot or whatever. But because uh, look at uh, all the year with Joseph Benavidez and Demetrius Johnson, at, you know, at flyweight. Mm-hmm. You know, Benavidez was clearly the second best flyweight in the world, yeah. but because. You know, he couldn't wasn't competitive against DJ the other times. You know, they just wouldn't run it back exactly. again. Exactly. I mean, maybe if Aldo wins, they could throw in Brian Ortega when he's ready to come back. I mean, Holloway busted up his face bad, so I don't know how long that's going to be. Otherwise, I mean, looking down the list, the only other option for Aldo is uh, probably Zabit Magomed Sharipa at this point. But uh, I mean, again, Aldo's got to win first. So again, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. He does. He has to win, and I am not picking him to win. Um, I'm going to take Volkanovski. Um, and, uh, I am fully aware that Volkanovsky's success with the UFC certainly, um, you know, falls under the small sample size banner. You know, he has not been with the company very long, but, um, I think this guy is a hundred percent totally legit. Um, he definitely has power. 
Um, he moves exceptionally well, and he's looked really, really good for a guy who doesn't have much experience against high-level competition. Um, you know, I, that stuff kind of worries me sometimes. But what Volkanovski did to Chad Mendez in December was remarkable. You know, Mendez has, you know, you know, he said, well, crushed him. Yeah, wasn't even close. He and worked Darren Elkins so- too, and the only reason that was a decision is because Elkins is just a ridiculously tough human. But Volkanovski dominated and picked him apart the entire time. Obviously, we're talking about a different beast here, but this is just to get you a background on how good that this guy is. He's on. Un- he's he's fantastic. And I went back and forth like you did. Um, in one setting, um, it was a little bit. You know, one of the reasons I ended up going with Volkanovski was. Similar to the Nami Yunus case where, you know, there's just a slight break on salary. But, um, you know, my main reason for picking was I'm just still a little worried about Aldo getting hit a bit too much. I'm not so much worried about his offense. His Mm. offense looks really good. But I'm a little bit – I'm still a little bit worried about his defense. Uh, You know, he got hit. He took – especially the Stevens fight. He took some real shots from Stevens before he was able to put him away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all know Stevens has a ton of power. But – He's kind of predictable in the sense that he swings for the bleachers in every single shot he throws. Volkanovski is different. Volkanovski has, you know, legit power too, but he'll put together more educated combinations in and out, footwork, that kind of thing. And that's closer so, to the Holloway type than than some yes. of the other guys he's faced. Somebody that's not gonna he's gonna hit you once, but he's not gonna let you off the hook or give you any time to re- recover. He's got another combination ready to go your way. Yes, he does, and I, you know. I'm just, it was, I'm more worried about, like I said, I'm more worried about all those defense than I am about his offense. You know, I think he's going to land, um, you know, I think he's going to land, you know, with regularity, but I would wager that Volkanovsky certainly has more fight ending power than Aldo. And if Aldo is still getting hit too much and Volkanovsky is putting together a bunch of combinations, you know, that's, that, that can be a bad combination. Now, that being said, you know, the fights in Brazil, you know, this is another fight where, I would certainly advise Volkanovski to not go to the judges' scorecards in a close decision. You know, that's probably a recipe for disaster. But, um, you know, I'm going to take him as an underdog. Again, you know, the odds, the salaries, it's essentially just to pick him. Yeah, I was actually a little surprised to see Aldo at 8,400 and Volkanovski at 7,800. To me, this screamed 8,200, 8,000 pairing all over it. And maybe if you'd have given me this fight without looking at odds or anything else, I might have gave the 8,200 towards Volkanovski in this one. Uh, I think it's no secret the way I've been talking about him that I'm going to pick him in this fight. Um, And it's not necessarily because I like him just so much more than Aldo. It's for a lot of the reasons we discussed. But bang for your buck-wise on DraftKings, this is a way to get yourself an underdog, a technical underdog with a real good chance of winning and... um, and, and somebody that can help make a difference in your lineup and clear up a little room for maybe some of the higher-priced guys. We'll talk about a couple of those at the end, but I'm with you on this one, John. I'm, I'm taking Volkanovski, too. I it's, I like Aldo. I'm a fan of Aldo. He's got the home crowd behind him. I mean, that's something that we can't be discounted, but overall, I like, even though Volkanovski hasn't faced nearly the same level of competition, I'm going to ride the momentum. He's 30 years old, so athletic prime. I think he's still getting better with each and every fight. Whereas Aldo, as great as he is, he's kind of more even, and we know what we're getting from him. And if Volkanovski can continue to throw that type of pressure with combos, I mean, 6.06 significant strikes landed per minute, that's a good combination for DraftKings right there. So uh, I like Volkanovski 
in the fight barely, but I like him a lot on DraftKings. Yeah, no, the, the, and this is going to be. I would be surprised if this is not an exceptional fight. It just it has all the makings of a classic. Mm-hmm. Speaking of basic pickums, uh, again the, the the quality level drops off a little bit after these top three fights. So we're going to discuss these next two fights uh, because they're on the pay per view. We're not going to go super in depth, and maybe we'll kind of go towards the end and uh, and start looking at more odds value and either or dilemmas uh, as opposed to going too in depth with these fights. But we do got to talk about a welterweight matchup between Tiago Alves and Loriano Staropoli. Uh, this is your eighty two hundred for Alves, eight thousand for Staropoli fight, and uh, looking at uh, the odds right now it was a pick em last time i looked and it is essentially a pick em again depending on what book you're using you're going to get minus 110 or minus 115 uh this is the closest fight on the card so technically by default here staropoli's got some odds value here uh what are your what, what are your thoughts on this one uh you know i have a really you know you know the ufc has a tendency to push brazilian fighters when there's pay-per-views in brazil and this is another good example of that um tiago alves why not just put lil nog on the main card then yeah you honestly it might have been i think i i think that fight interests interests me more than this that might have been a better decision if you're looking to just get buzz and hype but hey i'll be tuning in to espn plus to watch that yeah i don't get i don't get this at all um alves since may 2015 is two and four um, his victories are a split decision over Max Griffin and a unanimous decision over the since-retired Patrick Ote. Um, Alves made his name as a big power puncher early in his career, and that power has essentially evaporated. Um, so if he's not knocking people out, which he's not, you know, he doesn't have a knockout win in you know more than four years. Um, I don't really know what he's bringing to the table, so... UFC even though 183, a kick to the body against Jordan Mean, that was his knockout. Yeah, so e- even if you, even if you don't, you know, want to bet on Staropoli, which is understandable. The guy has one fight in UFC, and it was a unanimous decision win over Hector Aldana in November. Um, I think you can take him safely just because Alves has nothing left. You know, I don't know why this is a pay-per-view fight, but you know, like you said, this card thins out fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's more, and I mean, first, I also don't understand why Alves is a favorite as the favorite. So, you know, for a couple reasons, you know, those two reasons, I think star is to pick salary break and just, you know, overall the fact that Alves doesn't have much left. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll make mine pretty brief on this one. Uh, I'm actually going to come out and take Alves here. This is so close for me. It's such a pick em. Uh So the two factors that are doing it for me are one, uh, experience level. Like you said, Staropoli has just one UFC fight. Um, and typically when you see these guys come up... Uh, you know, with the lesser circuits, you'd like to see them undefeated. He is not only one loss, so that's one of the reasons. We just the book's not quite out on him yet. You know, I, I admit I could have watched more film on him, but I'm not ready to to go on him. And 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 Alves, the home crowd, the Brazil judges. I'm going to take Alves by a hair in this one. Don't feel super great about it, but don't feel great about using either of these guys on DraftKings. The low volume, the um, the odds to finish being plus one fifty five. Not likely to get a finish there, and um, just the uncertainty. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stay away from this one on DraftKings because the upside is limited. Though I could see throwing Staropoli in there, taking the odds value, and hoping for it. I'm guessing because of the odds value, he'll be slightly popular on DraftKings. But I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, you know, with not a whole ton of confidence behind it, take Alves with the home court advantage. 
Um, anyway. Yeah, that's that's a close fight, and so is the next one. The next yeah. one's good, too. Yeah, next one's yeah a good close fight here. Uh, maybe gives you an underdog play on DraftKings. We'll have to see what you think. We've got Francisco Ternaldo against Diego Ferreira. Uh, Trinaldo 7,200, Diego 9,000. Uh, Ferreira is a minus 185 favorite. Trinaldo plus 145. Vegas doesn't like this one uh, getting finished either as the uh, odds to finish are plus 165. So probably going to the judges here. Again, those odds to finish probably make this fight a fade for me. But what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, this is a good fight. You know, other than, you know, Alon Volkanovski and, you know, the main event, I guess, I, I think this is probably the third best fight on the card. Um, and it's an interesting matchup, uh, contrast in, mat- in styles. Um, Trinaldo has an 8-2 and two record in his past 10 fights dating back to 2014 and has really overachieved. You know, a guy who entered the company, you know, with nothing. And it's a really great story. Came from a really, really poor upbringing and has turned into a really, you know, just a solid all-around fighter. Um, he's certainly getting up there in age. You know, he has, you know, net, but he's still durable with 41 in August, but he's never been knocked out in 30 pro fights. So, um, you know, the fact he's aging, you know, hasn't, you know, his chin hasn't gone, even though Trinal is getting up there in age. Um, but he's facing a guy in Fajaya who I really think is one of the more underrated, certainly one of the under more underrated guys at lightweight. And I actually think one of the more underrated fighters, you know, in the company as a whole, um, you know, Entering on a four-fight win streak, this is a guy who has lost twice in his professional career. There's only two losses: UFC interim lightweight champ Dustin Poirier, and um, you know Benil Dariush, who is a really good, a solid, underrated fighter himself. So um, I'm going to take Fajaya, but um, I think Ronaldo has some value at 7,200, if simply because for no other reason, this is a guy who, even on during his winning streak and during the strong run he's had, a guy who is consistently been made the underdog in fights you know it reminds me a little bit of neil magny you know a guy who kept beating better fighters and every single time he went out he was still the underdog he was still the lower salary fighter and every single time you bet against him you bet against him you bet against him he always comes out and wins so you know if you're making multiple lineups like we mentioned earlier we always advocate that you do um i definitely think there's a scenario where you should probably get tornado in there somewhere at 7200 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean, and that's going to be my dilemma. Do I go with uh, Anderson Silva at seventy five hundred, knowing what the ceiling is there, or do I maybe try to get some more odds value out of uh, Trinaldo? Who knows? Maybe he can get it done. But I, I'm with you, John. I'm going to take the younger guy. I'm going to take Fajera. Fajera, he's uh, got the um, you know one of the better favorites on this card. Actually, you know, if you, I, I mean, Arena Aldana and uh, Ryoni Barcelos and Toledo Bernardo, who has a new opponent, so those odds got to reset here a little bit. Um, but those guys are all the biggest favorites. But after that, again, a lot of close fights. So you got to make your stand somewhere. Um, I like Fajaya, but I don't know if I'm going to use him on DraftKings. I do think that this is going to be pretty close to a unanimous decision. Mix that in with the youth, the volume striking, uh, even kind of going through all the check boxes that I go to the fight matrix. ELO is one thing I like to use too. They got Fajaya pretty dominant. Um, at those percentages are high. So I like him, but again, this is probably a fade for me. Uh, on DraftKings. So we're in agreement on that one. Um, but I guess, uh, yeah, talking about DraftKings, I mean, who'd you rather use in your lineup, Trinaldo or, or uh, Silva? I mean, they're roughly, that's kind of the, one of the decisions you'd have to make. Yeah, it is. I, you know, I think I'd rather use Trinaldo just because he's been more active and mm-hmm. has a history, at least fairly recently, 
of coming through in fights where people don't expect them to win. Mm-hmm. Now, I just don't see how you can really accurately predict what you're going to get from Anderson these days. You know, he knows he's near the end, and you know maybe that means he leaves it all in the cage or whatever. But you know, I, I just think Anderson has a much more higher degree of unpredictability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you here. So. Another kind of wild card question for you. Um, a couple of these things. Trinaldo by decision is plus 246. Uh, Trinaldo by first round stoppage is plus 1100. Uh, any of those bets in the least bit appealing or, or do we not feel quite as great about Trinaldo? Uh, man, I, I I don't know if I would do that straight up cash wise. You know, <laughs> he's a guy who just, you know, he, he, he has legitimate power. But he's giving up a ton of athleticism. You know, he, he's definitely going to be on the short end of the footwork here. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to make it tough. I hear you. Well, uh, looking up and down the whole list, though, is there uh, anybody that for you you see you see value in as a potential underdog? I mean, you know, there's a few. Uh, it's crazy because you, you know you go up and down this list, and I guess the only you know putting aside the you know Talita Bernardo fight where she just got a new opponent. You know, I guess the only two fighters that you really, I'd really have a hard time making a case for, like at all, would be BJ Penn, because you know I think we're certainly in agreement that you know that's come and gone, and I don't know why that's still happening. And you know, I and you know, Rayoni Barcelos, you know, is a massive favorite at minus seven hundred. So I mean, you know, he just he, got a new opponent. Carlos Watching is making his debut. Uh, he, I believe, was last fighting in Inca FC out of Peru, if I if I remember that correctly, unless I'm mixing him up with someone here. Uh, so that's why he's a giant, such a giant favorite. Um, um, so I guess that kind of brings us to an either or, though. I mean, would you rather use? You're probably not going to have enough cash to use both Barcelos and Clay Guida. So, which one of those two would you be more confident in? I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I'm just—I am so out on BJ Penn mm-hmm. that, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm so done. Like, I—he should have. What he? I mean, he's unretired. What, like, three or four times now? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I am so. I think this is such. You know, and I'm, and I'm on the record many, many times. As saying the UFC and you know MMA in general needs to really step in more forcefully and frequently that when guys are done and clearly done, you know like Ross Pearson, you know the past three years, you know the guy lost like eight and nine fights and was getting you know crushed every single time. There's no reason, and th- we know the reason. The reason is because the company runs too many events, you know, and they need fighters. But you know if you're you know billing yourself as the best you know fighting organization in the world. There is no reason to run guys who are that washed up, you know, at out there over and over. So if you know if you're giving me those two options, I would take Guida because I just I don't I think you know I think Penn's gas tank is what if there's whatever below empty is. Yeah, I got you here. So I'm I'm with you on that. So I've got uh, I've got a hundred dollars in remaining salary in my lineup here, but. I've got Clay Guida. I could upgrade to Barcelos if I would like, but I think Guida has a better chance of getting that early finish and big bonus for me. I'm with you here, and I can tell you the reason they're trotting him out there because you know if he still wants to fight and they hand him his walking papers, he's going to walk straight to Bellator where somehow, some way or another, he'll be a pretty decent draw given you know the the difference in rosters. So that's got to be why. I mean, um, I, don't, I mean, you I don't know, agree it, with I, it. it. I don't agree with it. It's just what it is. It probably is why. I mean, I mean, you know, it probably is. I'm sure it is why, but. You know, that being said, you know, the UFC has to realize most of Bellator's fights, you know, these days, they're not, or at least I should say that, you know, the fights that draw the big, you know, the big ratings or whatever. Chandler and Pitbull coming up this weekend is awesome. Right. 
but but that Sonnen and Machida is not awesome. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. You know, like the Chandler. That was my. That's the point I was going to make. You know, the Chandler Pitbull fight is like a legitimate, you know, high end miss martial arts fight. You know, the rest of it, you know, it reminds me, you know, keep running, you know, over the hill guys out there, you know, whether it's Tito Ortiz or, you know, the late the Kimbo Slice Dada thing or whatever. You know, it's more of a show. Yeah, it's more of it. Those fights are more of a show than they are, you know, legitimate, you know, high level mixed martial arts. And I, you know, I'm I tend to think the UFC or at least I hope the UFC realizes that. And thus, you know, probably shouldn't, you know, if BJ Penn picked up tomorrow and decided he wanted to go to Bellator, you know, if the UFC let him go, I don't think the UFC should care, you know, because that's not what the UFC is trying to sell. Mm -hmm. But if another company you're competing with does a big number, I guess, you know, it bothers you, even though, I, you know, for that reason, I don't think it should. Okay. I got you there. So I'm with you. We got a, we're a little under time, so I'm going to do a couple more either ors with you if you're ready for those. Uh, not to shift gears too much. You're on a very good and very uh, very. I mean, it's a pointed and 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 truthful rant. I agree with you 100. percent There are a couple more guys that I've got in some of my lineups here that uh, I've got some dilemmas here. So I'm guessing some of our listeners might have some of the same ones. I'm looking at a pair of guys that are 8800 and 8600. Would you rather, John, roster Ryan Span? against Lil Nog or War or Warley Alves against Sergio Moraes? That's a good, you know, that's a good question. The Alves Moraes fight is really good. You know, those are two underrated guys. Mm-hmm. And um I picked Moraes as an underdog. You know, if if it's that either or, I think I'd probably take Span only because I think his, you know, opponent, you know, at you know, Nog's advanced age uh, is certainly less, you know, has less in the tank. I love advanced um, age. That's such a nice way to say old. I know. I mean, it, guys, well, you know, Nog is what? Nog is going to be 43 next month. And, and you know, he's not the oldest guy in the card. I think this is I, the first card ever where three guys over 40 are fighting. I, look, I, you know, that, and I understand they, and I'm going back to what I'm saying. They run too many cards. You know, they have a card every single week and they have what? A minimum of, you know, the, the, the maximum they have on a card is 13 fights. You know, the minimum is you, nowadays you never see less than, you know, you never see less than 11. It's usually yeah. 12 or 13. I mean, you want to see 13 for DraftKings. Otherwise, there's not enough variance. And if you are lucky enough to win a GPP, you're, right, you're going to split it. Yeah, right. So, yeah, exactly. But, you know, actually, you know, I like Span. You know, I think there's something there. Um, you know, he has a really long frame. You don't find many 205-pound guys who stand six foot five. You know, and uh, but again, you know, Span's got to be a little bit worried because if he finds himself in a decision against Dog, he's not going to win that either. You know, mm-hmm. and I, especially there are. I think when we made our uh, my picks in my article, I think I picked against like every single Brazilian fighter, and you know that was not done on purpose. I didn't realize it until I was finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but all these guys, you know, we've we've seen it in not just Brazil, but we've seen this in the past. You simply cannot go to the judges' scorecards and close decisions, you know, in, in situations like this. You you got to go for broke and try and end it because some, uh, you know, odds are saw on Saturday night somebody is going to walk away with a loss on their record that they probably didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. I mean, Derek Brunson is the classic example. He just yes. came back uh, and De- beat Brunson, Elias Theodoro. He's, yes. he's a great fighter. There's no doubt in my mind he beat Anderson Silva in Brazil, but the judges gave it to Silva. On that fight. That's your classic example. Other, yep, without that, that is, maybe that we're not even exactly. stressing this as much. But um, Okay, so because we mentioned Brazilians, we'll wrap it up with a pair of Brazilians. Anderson Silva at 7,500 or... 
Lil Nog at seventy four hundred. <laughs> oh jeez. The forty plus man. I, I I try to make hard hard either or dilemmas here. Someone somewhere out there, somebody's building a DraftKings lineup and thinking, man, I got to use one of these guys, or say, screw it and use Trinaldo. That's kind of a cop. If that was my op, if the, if if I had a, if my third option over those two was to use Trinaldo, I would use Trinaldo. Okay, um, that's fair enough. If I only had two, I I mean, I what if yes. you're using Trinaldo as your other underdog though, and you've got a bunch of big favorites? Say you're you're trying to do the whole I'm going to roster both Guida and Barcelos, and you and you've got Trinaldo as another underdog, and then you got to pick Silva or a little nug. I I guess I would use Silva only because. Maybe Cannoneer's comfortable keeping in a kickboxing match, and maybe he can just, you know, look, Cannoneer's not, you know, a world beater. You know, he was yeah. looked great against David Branch, but, you know, he's not like, you know, some, and maybe he's going to go off at, you know, 185 pounds, but this is not a guy who, you know, has I a think, big pedigree. I think he's going to keep it a kickboxing match. I really do. And uh, I'm not going to lie, several of the uh, staff picks that came in, I know right now at least I didn't, you didn't, but two people have picked Silva straight up. I would not do that. He's going because even if Anderson lands a bunch, he's gonna get hit, right? I mean, he has to. I, I don't, you know, there's no way he can. And I mean, uh, I don't see how he can constantly get out of the way. He's 43 or for whatever, however old he is, mm-hmm. constantly get out, and he's definitely giving up a bunch of power. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very interesting there. So I can't wait to uh, check out these fights. This weekend, definitely a lot going on. Of course, we mentioned the Chandler Pitbull fight going on. I'm going to have to have two TVs side by side, most likely. Um, so we'll see what's going on there. Any final thoughts on this card? Uh, it's not the best. Um, <laughs> I know. That I, I mean, so the thing for me is uh, Aldo had that knee infection. We didn't talk about that earlier. That kind of it was it happened uh, late back in March, and we were kind of talking like, man, if they didn't have the Aldo Volkanovski fight on this card, it would be pretty trash. But that fight alone, I think, is going to save the card. It. Pro- I think you're right. And the other problem is though, it, it's kind of out of order. You know, like if if we were talking about this and. Aldo and Volkanovski was the co-main event, and then you know you maybe slide the Silva fight down a notch or two. Maybe you yank, um, you know, the Thiago Alves fight and, and use a little log on, on right. How much of that is ESPN up. pressure? You think they want to have real good fights on their prelims to keep the ESPN Plus people happy and possibly bait some people into buying the pay per view? That's got to be part of it. I think I do think it's part of it. You know, I was looking at you know I was looking the, you know the other day uh, at some of the cards later in the year, even. You know, the next one coming, you know, 238 that's coming up in, um, you know, the John Jones and, you know, Nunez, you know, well, home card. 238s in Chicago, that's Cejudo Morais. That's right. next month. But, We're going to talk but, about that in June. But those are deep 239 cards. is insane. And they kind of uh, But do even that. the 238 card is deep. And I was looking at, you know, these are cards, you know, that have, you know, the there are fights announced, but the bout order hasn't been determined yet. And a lot of times when you're watching a card, that bout order you see on TV is the first time they release the order. And I'm looking at all these fights and I'm trying to like come up, like, especially the Jones card. Like there are like four or five fights on that, that are going to be on the prelims. That would be like the best or second best fight on this card. Like not exaggerating. So like, I am trying to figure out like, what are they like? What fights are going to be the ones 
that end up on you know on the prelims. You know I mean, how we, are they going to decide that? We've got our main on that: Jones and Santos, Komain, Holm, Nunes. Title fights are easy. You have to have Ngannou dos Santos on on a card. I'd pay for that on its own. And then, geez, dude, you're right: Masvidal so you're and gonna, Ben Askren and right, Blakovich and, and and Rockhold. That's got to be your right, five, right? And then you ha- and then you have. I mean. So I would think so, but then you're going to have yeah. Melendez Allen fight. You're going to have Sean O'Malley. I mean, you know, you're going to have. I just really got announced really- today. Yeah, and then yeah, Sean O'Malley's coming back. This probably isn't pay per view caliber in 2018, but Diego Sanchez, Michael Chiesa. I'm intrigued by that. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely, and I mean, even the next, the 238 card. If you look at as it as it is now, you know what's going to be on, on the undercard of that? Sterling and Munoz. You know, Kovacevic and Grasso. Banger. Well, Jeez. Yeah. I mean, oh, there are man. like legitimate high-end fights that are going to be on not even the headliner of the prelims, mm-hmm. lower down on the prelim. You know, Ricardo Lamas and Calvin Qatar. You know, you know those are really, really good fights mm-hmm. that are going to be not even the headlining prelims. So they have all these fights announced, and they haven't released an order yet. Sure, you know what the main event and co-main event are going to be, but after that, you know they could go a million different ways. So, man. like we say, when you have one pay-per-view that's not as deep, the UFC has a tendency to make up for it and they will be because the next two pay-per-views 238 and 239 are both insane right so we got to sit down and do a pod where we just fanboy over our favorite fights that are coming up because i think we could easily do an hour doing that just two cards are you know Mm -hmm. and they're the ufc has and it's a little strange because they're kind of a couple of the fight night cards coming up, you know, the, the I know the Greenville card, the main event on that ended up being, you know, Moicano and the zombie, the Korean zombie. That card all the way from top to – there's some, but you would think they would be able to slide somebody from one of these other loaded, loaded pay-per-views mm-hmm. maybe into one of those slots on those cards. But then Kevin, again – Kevin Lee, RDA you know, coming up. That ain't going to be bad. That's a good fight. But, you know, these fighters get paid more to compete on pay-per-views, you know? Some of the you know some of the real big names, you know, have buys worked into their contract, you know, if they're a big enough star. So, you know, no one's clam- – you can't blame the fighters. No one's clamoring to f- – no offense to Greenville, South Carolina and all our fans there. But no one's clamoring to – fight in greenville you know when you can you know head to chicago and be on you know one of the biggest or vegas or whatever want to be on one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year mm-hmm. yeah stockholm's gonna run so, into that we'll in June first so yeah we've got a lot going on but we got to wrap this up john it was a pleasure talking fights with you as always just a little housekeeping here uh first off thanks again to everybody that gave us a listen here whether you're tuning in for this podcast or you're going to check out fight iq which is going to go live on the rotowire youtube channel uh on friday night at 8 eastern time there's a little live chat aspect on there you can join uh, uh i believe it's joe chris and uh mike will be subbing in as the host this week so definitely tune into that at 8 eastern uh please give us a follow on twitter if you can uh, at john littering j-o-n-l-i-t T-E-R-I-N-E. I'm at Jake at Jake Ski 52. Um, rate and review the pod if you can. That's the best thing you can do. Um, man, if you rate and review and tweet at me, I'll probably get, send you a Rotowire t-shirt like we did for our boy John this week. Uh, so I appreciate that. I mean, if 100 people do it, that'd be great. I can't send them all t-shirts, but a couple super fans. I'll, I'll throw that out here. If you made it this far to the end, I'm going to call you a super fan and uh, hopefully hook you up with some swag here. Anyway, like we talked about, John and I will be back with you guys Prior to UFC 238, Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Moraes. Of course, the absence of TJ Dillashaw opens up the uh, the bantamweight belt there. That's going to be a great fight. 
a lot of great fights on that card. Maybe I'll even go to that. I'm not too far from that here in Madison, Wisconsin, so we will have to take a look. John, thanks again so much for joining me. Listeners out there, thanks again for listening. We've got 150 k up for grabs in the $15 throwdown on DraftKings this week. Let's go get a piece. Sounds good. Let's do it.